Today's part three of legacy, and we're talking about how do we, what, what is a legacy, right? A legacy is, is what, you, what you leave behind, right? It's what people remember about you when you're gone. Like when, when, when all the dust settles, what do people remember about you? And this, for us, our vision is know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. This is a make a difference series for us. This is one of those series where it's not about us. What, or we, we teach a lot about uh, how God wants to work inside of us and, and what he wants to do in us, but this one is about other people. It's about taking our eyes off of ourselves, taking our eyes off of us and, and what we need and what we want and about making a difference in somebody else. So our theme verse for this series is uh, Psalm chapter 112, and you can follow along. I don't have notes for you today. There's blank notes in there because I'm going to be rapid fire today. I'm, I'm thinking to preach, all right? I'm going to preach today. Okay. You know, you know the difference between teacher and a preacher? A teacher tells it and a preacher yells it. That's what I'm going to do. Just kidding. I'm not, probably not going to yell today. I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I might get excited. All right. So here's, here's our theme verse. Good will come to those who are generous. Who, who think about other people more than themselves, really, uh, who lend freely. Good's going to come to those who conduct their affairs with justice. You're, you're not just thinking about you, you're thinking about other people. Some of you are bringing those, those bumper bags in and putting them on the trailer this morning. You were thinking about your, uh, somebody else this week. Uh, yesterday, I took my boys to Sam's Club, and we're, we're pulling stuff off the shelves to, to fill bags full to bring here today. And, and there was a selfish part of them that just didn't want to do it. But the more they do it, when we started packing those bags last night, Man, they, they were like, they wanted to put everything from our pantry in those things. You know what I'm talking about? It was, they, they wanted justice. So surely the righteous will never be shaken. The people who live like that, the generous, the people who think about others first, they won't be shaken. Things may fall around, around them, but they'll, they'll stand firm and they will leave a legacy. They'll be remembered forever. That's our theme verse. Now, last week, I kind of talked really briefly about this one point that, that we're all rich. It, according to the world's standards, we're all rich, right? We, we, in other words, uh, we have more than we need. And you, you might have uh, kind of tuned me out during that, during that point because you thought, man, he's not talking to me. I ain't rich, right? But we're all rich. And, and, and listen, um, if I ask us today how many of us are rich, you probably wouldn't raise your hand. You, not many of us would raise our hand. But if I said how many of you are blessed, all of us would probably raise our hands. Can I just say if we're blessed, we're rich. If we're blessed, we're rich because to be blessed means that you have more than you need. God has given you more than you need. And so we're, we're rich. God's, God's blessed us. Now, years ago... A pastor named Andy Stanley wrote a book called How to Be Rich. And the point of his book was, was really about uh, the fact that more people are rich than they realize, and most of those people don't know how to be rich. The book was called How to Be Rich. It was, it was not about how do I accumulate wealth and all of that. It was about the opposite. How do I, how do I be rich with, with what I do have? How do I make a difference, Right. So in the book, they use some research by the Gallup poll, and, and, and they, they're asking people, how much money do they need to be rich? Uh, it's pretty interesting, right? 
Uh, most Americans said they needed $150,000 a year to be rich. That was most Americans. But when you ask somebody who makes $150,000 a year, they go, oh, you haven't seen my taxes, you haven't seen my, my bills, the tuition that I've got to pay, that ain't rich, right? So then they went and asked people who made $35,000 to $40,000 a year, how much do you need to be rich? And they said $75,000, to which everybody who makes $75,000 goes, <laughs> that ain't rich, right? You, you don't know the things that I've got to pay and this and that. And, and they go, that's not rich. So then they changed the survey again, and they asked people who subscribe to Money Magazine, how much do they, do they have to have in liquid assets, what they can get their hands on right now in order to be rich? Now, I don't subscribe to Money Magazine, but, but uh, apparently some, some people do. Apparently, you've got to have money to subscribe to Money Magazine because they said they needed $5 million to be rich. But if you ask them if they're rich, they go, no, 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 I'm not rich. That's not me. I'm, I'm, I, I, no, not, that's somebody else. So here's the bottom line. Nobody is rich, but everybody knows somebody who's rich, right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Nobody's rich, but everybody knows somebody who's rich. Well, we're all rich. And, and I'll, I'll prove it to you with, with this thought. Let me prove it to you with our rich people problems, okay? Rich people problems. Um, that, that we would say something like this. Man, this internet sure is slow on the airplane that I'm riding in in the air. <laughs> so you get slow Wi-Fi on an airplane, right? Or, or our, our other rich people problems, we say something like, uh, we don't have room for that in our refrigerator in the kitchen. <laughs> we'll have to put that out in the garage. Or, um, or some of you did this one this morning. Um, you went into a room where your clothes live. <laughs> and you looked at all of those clothes, and you said, I don't have anything to... <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Rich people problems, right? That, some of us have a room built onto our house for our cars, but we can't park our cars in there because of all the stuff that's in the garage. One of the most, yeah, one of the most lucrative businesses in the world is self-storage buildings. Come on, rich people problems, right? I don't have enough room in my house, so I'll just go rent a building to just put all this stuff in. So, we, hey, we, we got some rich people problems. We're, we're blessed. Can we just say it that we're, we're blessed? We have more than we need. I, I gave you this scripture last week. I want to give it to you again in a different translation. It's from 1 Timothy. And it says this. This is Paul talking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Paul's the apostle. Timothy's the pastor of a local church. And, and he says to Timothy, hey, don't just tell, but command those who are rich. So that would be all of us then. In this pres you're rich in this present world not to be arrogant. In other words, don't put your hope in wealth because it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. You may be employed today, but not tomorrow. Don't put your hope in the dollar bills, but, but to put your hope in God who richly, I love this, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. So there's a gospel out there that says we should be poor if we're Christians and we shouldn't have things. 
Now, you guys know I'm not a prosperity preacher. I don't, I, I'm not that. I, I don't, they haven't invited me on Christian TV yet to do that. Um, so, that was pretty funny, though. Um, he gives us everything for our enjoyment. Listen, God is okay with you having things, so long as those things don't have you. They don't own you. He's okay with that. And it goes on to, the, to verse 18 and says, Command them to do what? To do good. To be rich in good deeds. So how do you be rich? In good deeds. And, and be generous and willing to share. Hold things with an open hand. Hey, this isn't mine. This was God's. He gave it to me to start with. So th- this, this is how to be rich. Right? It's, it's, how, it's how to leave a legacy. Now, I'm not telling you all of this. I'm not, I didn't, I, I'm not giving you this verse or those rich people problems to make you feel guilty. Because guilt is a terrible motivator. It's, it's a poor motivator. It's, it's not a productive emotion. I don't want to make you feel guilty. I, I, I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel responsible. There's a difference. I don't want you to be guilty. I want you to be responsible for what God has given us. Because here's, the, here's, what, I'm, here's what I believe. That, that we've got to realize we're blessed, that we have more than we need, and that we are responsible to take care of some people around us, to leave a legacy, to make a difference. But for most Americans, the sad truth is that the more they make, the less they give. Amen. Statistics tell us that Many times, the, the less money you make, the more you give on a percentage basis. Many times, poorer people are more generous in a percentage because their hope is not in their wealth. Their hope is in God. And so I just want to make sure that as Christians, as a church, my prayer for you and your family is, this isn't us. That God doesn't bless us and then we just keep it all to ourselves. That he doesn't bless us and and, and we don't share that with somebody and make a difference in somebody else's life. I I don't want us to go there. That if God's going to give us more, we do more. If he gives you health, and I'm not even talking about just financially. If he gives you health, you use that health to serve people. If he blesses you with, with joy and peace and happiness in your marriage, that you share the success of that with other people. That you, if he gives you more, you do more. Jesus said it this way in Luke, that when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. That when someone has been entrusted, he says, I'm I'm trusting you with this, even more is going to be required in return. So we're a blessed church. God's blessed City Hope in a mighty way this year. You look around the room. It's a full house this morning. We're over 90% capacity in every one of our services. Probably going to have to do three services by the end of the year. That's pretty awesome, right? That's awesome. We've given away over $50,000 in missions and local missions and international missions this year. That's incredible. Yeah, we're we're a generous church. And we, we could pat ourselves on the back. And we could rest we could get complacent saying, oh man, isn't this good enough? Isn't, this, isn't what God done? Isn't this awesome? 
But listen, I'm, I'm telling us, I'm calling us out and I'm saying we can't get complacent. We cannot get comfortable. We have to remember that God has more and he wants us to have more. But listen, he, he has more. He wants to give us more. But, but, but Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he's going to make you rich. You're going to be made rich in every way. Not, not just financially rich in your health, rich in your time, rich in your ability, rich in every way. Why? So that you'll be generous. He has more. He wants us to have more. But we've got to know what the more is for. We can't forget what the more is for. He's, he's giving us more for a specific reason. The more isn't for us. It's for others. We have a responsibility to use what God's put in front of us, what he's put in our hands, what he's given us to make a difference. So I want to give you three reasons today, three reasons why we, why we can't forget, why we have to remember what the more is for. Three reasons he gives us more. Number one is this, because every number has a name. He gives us more because every number has a name. There are 125,000 people in the greater Wichita Falls area. Every one of them represent a, a name. There's moms and dads and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and mamaws and papaws and memaws and peepaws. There's, there's grannies. There's all, there are friends and neighbors that need to hear that God is crazy in love with them. That it's not a numbers game. It's a name game. God knows them. He knows who they are, and he wants a relationship with them. I love what Jeremiah 29, 11 says, my favorite verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for Wichita Falls, Texas. And they're plans for good. Their plans, not for disaster, but their plans for a future and a hope. God knows what he, the, the plans that he has for this community. And just as he gave this to Israel in a time of captivity, he's saying it to Wichita Falls today. He's saying to people bound up in addiction, bound up in problems. He's saying you don't have to be in bondage anymore. You don't have to be a victim anymore. You can come home. There's hope for you. There's grace for you. There's purpose for you. There's room for you in this house. We got to make room for people. That's what he's saying. And I want, to, I want to be frank with you today. I want City Hope Church to grow. I, I, I have no desire to be a pastor of a church that just gets complacent and says, you know, we've done a good thing. I think this is good. You know, we've we got two full services. Let's just thank God and chalk that up as a win. I have no desire for that. I don't want us to get inward focused thinking about well, what about me? You're not feeding me, Pastor. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. Only babies cry when they're hungry. Mm. I'm going to need some security after the service today. Uh, I, that was not in my notes. If you didn't like that, just take that up with God on that one. That was, that was Holy Spirit, right? But really, I don't have a desire. Like, I don't want us to get inward focused. Us four, no more. This is my club, my clique. This, we're good. We're good. This is my row. This, no, that's, that's not who we are. This week, I heard from somebody who said, 
Pastor, we're, gonna, we're, we're leaving the church. It's just getting too big. And, and at first, my heart broke for them. But the, as I thought about, man, they weren't serving. They're not in small groups. Small groups are, are how you connect. It's how you grow. It's how life changes for us is when you get in relationship with people. And at first I thought, man, this is, it breaks my heart. But, but then I thought, well, maybe they've begun to think that church is for them. Remember, church isn't for us. We are the church and we exist for everybody who's not here yet. That's the truth. Come on. If you believe that, let's give God praise for that. We're the church. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, isn't that the purpose? It, like, if, if, if the Great Commission is happening, then the church should be growing. Right? Jesus is hopefully coming back for a church that's much larger than the one he started 2,000 years ago. Because it's his family business. It's all about people. It's all about, it's all, it's all about reaching people. And I can't apologize for reaching people. Can't do that. See, numbers matter because they have a name. Every number has a name. But number two, every name has a story. Every name has a story. I think about um, how every person's going through something. Every person's dealing with something. We all have issues. And if you say, I don't have issues, my friend... That's your issue. Right? That's your issue, friend. I'm just trying to help you today. People are dealing with loss and hurt and addiction and abuse and depression and rejection and childlessness and divorce and self-righteousness and fear and anxiety. People are dealing with all kinds of things, and they may have given up on God. They may have thrown in the towel on God, and we're here as a church to remind them that God has not given up on you. He's there for you. He's still in pursuit of the one. He's in reckless pursuit of them. Nobody is too far gone. He's leaving the 99 to go after the one. And that's why your story is important. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. Your story is important. It matters to God. Your story is important. Listen, I, I want to give you a story real quick of some friends of mine back in Alabama. Uh, last year, we were preparing to move here, we had told our church that we felt like God was calling us to, to plant a church here in Wichita Falls, and we began raising funds, and we had to raise about $250,000 just to get to the first service. That bought everything you see, all the, all the gear, everything. And most of those funds came from outside of Wichita Falls, people who believed in what was going to happen here, people who wanted to leave a legacy in Wichita Falls who've never even been here. Dwayne and Anna Beach were some of those people. They were our friends. And as we were raising funds, he, uh, he told me one day, hey, we, wanna, we want to uh, uh, do a fundraiser for you guys. They had just started a business. We're going to take a certain amount of the proceeds this month, and it's going to go to City Hope Church. And I thought, man, that's great. Awesome. So he told me one day, he said, man, the month's over. We, we raised $1,500 for City Hope. And I was like, dude, praise God. But he said... Well, that's not all because, um, you know, with the new business, we weren't sure if we were going to get anything uh, back on our tax return this year. But we told each other if we got anything back, 
that's going to City Hope. He said, we just did our taxes and we're expecting around $6,000 to come back this year. And we'll be sending it to you. That's awesome. But you need to know the backstory. The backstory is years ago, Dwayne was living in a secret life of addiction. His wife didn't know what was going on. And it all came crashing down. Nearly lost his, his marriage. Nearly destroyed him. And when we met him, he was at the Foundry Farm, a Christ-centered rehabilitation program. And they would come to our church. He got free, got clean. He's been sober for years. And he helped us start our church in Madison, Alabama when we lived there. So I need you to know the backstory for this to make sense, what I'm about to tell you. When they gave that offering, and I'm telling you it's his story, here's what he said to me. He said, being able to bless you guys has done more for me than you will ever know. And if I went through everything for that one moment, I wouldn't change anything. In fact, I would do it all over again. Their story is making a difference. It's changing people now in Wichita Falls. See, every, every number has a name. Every name has a story. But number three, every story matters to God. Every story matters to God. It matters because heaven and hell are real. It matters because there's a real God and there's a real enemy, the enemy of our soul. It matters. See, God never promised he would build our church. He said he would build his church. And so all we are trying to do here is to plunder hell and populate heaven. To, to just win some people to Jesus. We want to make a difference in people. We want to introduce people to the only thing that can change their lives to the hope of the world, Jesus Christ. That's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. Um, I'll tell you one more story because every story matters to Jesus. Uh, back in Bible college, 16 or 17 years ago, um, I met a guy named Johnny Wilson. And Johnny, we, we met, he had just come out of um, Teen Challenge, which is a, a, a drug, Christian drug recovery program for young men. And we were both in the same Bible college. We met each other, and uh, we found out we're both from the same part of East Tennessee. And so we had this kind of kindred spirit. We became roommates. We graduated from Bible college. We went our own separate ways. But over the years, Johnny's addiction would get the best of him. And, and he, would, he would go to recovery, and he would, he would get some freedom and fall right back into it. Years of this. Last year, Jan last January, we, we began to send out strategy guides to people uh, who might want to pray for us, support the church. And I sent one to Johnny in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And, and several weeks later, I got an envelope back from Johnny. And I thought, man, I hadn't heard from Johnny in a while. We'll see what's up. So I opened it up, and it was a check from his mom and dad for $1,000 to the building fund. And I thought, man, that's, that's awesome. That's so cool. They were some of the first to ever like, give something towards the building fund. 
But I could tell something else was in the envelope. I pulled it out, and it was his obituary. And you have no idea the emotions, and maybe you do have an idea of the emotions I felt in that moment. Guilt from maybe not reaching out more often. How did he die? I don't know how he died. Like all these questions. But then in a moment, I had this thought. That Johnny and Marsha, his, his, his dad's name was Johnny. Big John. He talked like this right here. <laughs> in a moment, it, my, my thoughts went to them. And how they may never know what that $1,000 would do in Wichita Falls. And how they would reach more Johnnies than they could ever dream possible through City Hope Church. That it would make a difference. That it would reach out into a community to set addicts free. To give hope and to give life and to give joy. To bring freedom. Johnny's story matters. There's no doubt in my mind he loved Jesus. But he had this, this, this thing that just kept pulling him. And pulling him back. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to help us see as a church today that, it's, that we have a responsibility to use what God has given us to make a difference in people. So over the next few weeks, we're, um, we're giving you some opportunities to make a difference. One of the things I want to talk about real quick is acts of kindness. I don't know if I have slides for these things, but this is the time of year when, when man, we, we, just, we just pull out the stops People are a little bit more open, and, and they're, they're receptive to, to a message of hope. And so I want to encourage you with acts of kindness. On your way out today, we're handing out uh, God Loves You cards. And these are perfect for when you're driving through a, a, a Chick-fil-A or, or, you know, Popeye's. Where are you going? <laughs> Where, wherever you're driving through, to just... Pay it forward to randomly pay for somebody's gas at the gas station or to rake your neighbor's leaves or to take care of the poor, the homeless, the needy. And you just simply give them a card without preaching to them that says, God loves you. And I do too. It's a random act of kindness. And I would love for you to take as many of those as you want to. I love hearing the stories and the testimonies that come back about people saying, man, I didn't know what I was going to do today. I, didn't, I only had a few dollars to put in my gas tank, but so-and-so filled it up for me. Thank you for being generous. I want to encourage you with that. But then as we get closer to, to Christmas, we're doing a Christmas Eve service this year. When I, I say this year, this is our first year, so... Uh, uh, <laughs> We're doing a Christmas Eve service, but probably more than one service. Uh, I think we'll probably have to do three services. Just show of hands, who, who's going to be in town for Christmas Eve? And you're thinking, I'm, I'm going to be a Christmas Eve service. A lot, a lot of you today. Well, here's the deal. Your kids will be in here with you for that service. So if you think it's packed out right now, imagine adding 100 kids in here. It's, we can do it, right? It's going to be awesome. But this is a way for you... To, to just invest and invite in some friendships, some family, some people you know who are far from God, where you can just say, hey, here's an opportunity. I'd love for you to sit with me at our Christmas Eve service this year. I'd love for you to come to church with me. It's a great way for you to just be the hands and feet of Jesus, to, to be generous with your time, with your abilities, 
And, and then the, and one more thing we're going to do, we've been talking about it, just dripping this vision. We do one special offering a year. We call it the legacy offering. It's happening two weeks from today. We told you about it weeks in advance so that you could be pre- planning and preparing because we don't, like, we don't like pressure giving. We don't like compulsive giving. We think you ought to plan for that. But I'm asking everybody who calls City Hope home, 100% of us, to go above and beyond to give to make a difference, and we'll give 100% of it outside of the budget. None of it will go to pad our budget. None of it will be used for light bills and, and toilet paper. It's all going to make a difference in our community around the world, 100% of it. And so those are ways that you can practice your generosity. Those are ways that you can put others first. Why am I telling you all of that? Here's why. Because when we put others first, God likes it. When we put somebody else before us, when when we take care of the needy, when we use our resources to make a difference in our community, and when we love people, when we bless others, when we use the more that he's given us to make a difference in somebody else, he likes it. And I want to I close out today's message showing you what motivates God to give you more. What motivates God to give you more so you can leave a legacy? That's what we're talking about, to leave a legacy. What motivates him? It's found in Isaiah, and it's, it's chapter 58. I, I want to point out that it, it's talking about fasting here, but this could be any religious activity. I want you to think about that for a minute. It could be anything. Church, student group, small group, whatever it is. Serving. He says, is this the kind of fast I've chosen for you? Is, is this the kind of church I want for you? Is this the kind of Christianity that I designed for you? Only a, a day for people to humble themselves, to think about them, to... To put, to put on sackcloth and ashes and go, woe is me. Is, is this the kind of Christianity I wanted for you a day that is, is acceptable to the Lord? goes on to the next verse and says, is, is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? See, I, I, I don't want it to be all about you. I want you to think about somebody else. The kind of fasting, the kind of Christianity, the kind of church I want for you is the kind where you loose the chains of injustice. And you untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. That's what he wants for us. Is this, is it not to share your food with the hungry? To provide for the the poor wanderer? To to give the homeless somewhere to stay? When you see the naked, when you see somebody with their shoes wearing out and their clothes torn, to give them clothes? And, and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Is, is this not what I wanted for you? Now check this out. Here, here's what he says. If, if we will do those things, he gives us 12 promises. There may be somewhere else in scripture that has 12 promises for one ask. I'm not sure. But I know it's here. And I want you to see this. He, he says, if you will do this, if you'll take care of the poor, if, if you'll break the yoke of slavery and oppression off of people, if you'll do that, then check this out. Your light will break forth like the dawn. One. 
And your healing will quickly appear. Two. And then your righteousness will go before you. Three. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Four. And then you, you will call and the Lord will answer. And, and you will cry for help and he will say, I'm, I'm right here. Here I am. Five. And if you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing of finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the dark. And your night will become like the noonday. Six. Then the Lord will guide you always. Seven. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. In Wichita Falls, Texas. Come on. Sun-scorched land. Eight. And and, it will strengthen your frame. Nine. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Ten. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and raise up the age-old foundations. Eleven. You'll be called repairer of the broken walls. Restorer of streets with dwelling. Twelve. Twelve promises. Come on, let's give God thanks for that. He wants us responsible. What's the more for? He wants us responsible, guys. He wants us to say, it's my responsibility to do something about it. God, send somebody to meet the needs of people in Wichita Falls only to realize he sent you. He sent me to make a difference here. Oh, we can't forget why we're here. We can't forget what the more is for. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you'll let me, um, I, want, I want to lead you in this season of legacy. And I believe that, that God will use us in a great way. I believe he'll make a difference in our community. Through City Hope, he'll make a difference in the state of Texas. He'll make a difference in, in our nation and in the world. God, I'm praying today that you would remind us what the more is for. That you would remind us of the responsibility we have we don't, just, we don't just leave a legacy accidentally, God. It doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It, it happens because we're intentional. It happens because we are responsible with what you've given us. So, Lord, I'm praying that you would teach us to live with others in mind, to not be consumers. Lord, we don't want to just take it for ourselves or teach us to remember that you've blessed us. You have blessed us to be a blessing. So let us burn with a passion. Let us have a hunger and a thirst to make a difference in the people around us. To remember that, that you've done for us. You've given to us so that we could pay that forward and make a difference in somebody else with your heads bowed let me just give you a moment to, to let the Holy Spirit just touch your heart today maybe you're here and you're the one that we, we've been talking about you're the one that we want to reach you're, you're the one that this church exists for we've been talking about making a difference in somebody maybe you're that one maybe you're far from God Maybe you feel like you, you don't have hope. Maybe you feel 
like your life doesn't have meaning. You're searching for purpose. You're searching for reason. You're searching for what on earth am I here for? I want to invite you to allow God, to allow Jesus to forgive your sins, to give you hope, to give you life, to give you joy. I want to invite you to begin a relationship with Jesus today. Not rules, not religion, not a checklist, a relationship today where you'll find hope and freedom. And if that's you today, you don't have to join this church. We won't single you out. We won't call you forward. If you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you're ready to put your trust in Him, you're ready to do what the Bible calls repent. That just means to change the way you've been living. And you can't do it without Him. If you're ready for that, on the count of three, I just want you to slip up your hand. If that's you today, one two, three. Just slip up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? See, that, that's me, Ben. I'm ready. I'm ready to make him the Lord of my life. I want relationship with Jesus today. I, I want to walk with him. I, I, want, I want life change. I can't do this on my own. Who else? Thank you. I see you back there. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Come on, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus... It's all about you. Will you forgive me? Make me new. Will you give me a fresh start? From this day forward, I choose to live for you the best that I know how. Cleanse me. Wash me. White as snow. Forgive my sins. I will serve you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.